Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Powinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. All right, welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. I'm Eduardo. And today, you know, as we're coming into the end of the year, uh, we have a very special episode, an episode we've been wanting to do for some time now, and now it seems to be just perfect for for the timing's sake. Um, you know, we we have had this talk since probably, I don't know, I'd say more than a decade ago, and that is just the origins of, of a movie that is now being resurrected and how fitting for the name of the movie, Matrix Resurrection. I like what you did there. You, know, you saw what I did that was there. nice. And so today we're going to do a really, um, we're going to do our best to, to keep, to stay on track about, you know, everything that this, this story and this, these allegories entail. Um, there's just so much to unfold. There's so much to open up. And so what we'll do is we'll start from the first, we'll move on to the second and go on to the third and then just sort of, you know, do a breakdown. And, and for those who may want to know where I'm coming from, I used a lecture from Mark Passio, which I definitely recommend you going to look for. You can find it on the tube. You can find it um, on, on his site um, but there's also a, a, obviously a, a lot of resources on this. I think since the movie came out in 99, people have tried to do their own way of, right. of sort of breaking it down and comparing it to, you know, Greek mythology and other origins that bring are brought up into the movie. But I've, I'm, I've been really, um, I've been really uh, anticipating this day just because we used to talk about this even like in my garage back when mm-hmm. I lived at, at home, um, right out of high school, I remember kind of just sort of saying, Hey, you know, this is what I think this means. And, and how come we're not seeing things the way, uh, others, um, or are others seeing things the way we're seeing them right now? And we'd have these comparisons. So it's been like a long time coming. So here we are now. Right. And so, uh, it's sort of difficult to contain my excitement for it because I got pages and pages and Daniel has uh, beautiful notes written out right now. Um, so Without further ado, man, let's let's get started. So, you know, like I said, we'll start with with the the first of of the three movies, you know, and and many of you are familiar with the first movie. If if you're not, you know, it'll help to to go back and watch this. But you know, as I already said, there's there's the allegory, right? The the way that these three stories are put together, and how um, I've understood it to be is you know really breaking down the the why, the how, and the what in these three movies, you know how um Passio puts it in his lecture is is neatly um i don't know it's, it's sort of like packaged in a way that um is easy to digest like what where it's all coming from and i thought i thought some of the other lectures i would look into we're going to talk about you know where the book came from where the directors may have been taking a lot of their influence from and and for those who don't know um you know i remember learning about this again years ago but from Jean uh, Baudrillard, you can you can find this book, which was written, I think, in the '60s, uh, or sorry, in in, in the '80s, um, about this postmodern world, and then the allegories that that are put in there as regards to, you know, humanity and um, the idea of being asleep, right? 
So in every three of these movies, Neo and the main character always wakes from being asleep. So I think we should start there before I just get into the nitty gritty of every little scene. And I don't think we'll we'll do such an intricate breakdown, but you know, to be asleep and to then be awakened with the purpose and what the purpose leads Neo and the main character in this case, I think his name is Mr. Anderson um, uh, and how it leads him to, to go down that rabbit hole. So do you want to start there? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And I think that's a great way to look at it because long introduction, but you know, no, no, man, I love it. I love it. And I think, you know, moving forward, let's kind of break it down that this conversation is really going to be looking at these larger esoteric themes that we've already approached throughout the podcast. Sure. So we're going to see the aspect of the sacred feminine. We're going to see, which is going to play be played very much through the character of Trinity, right. um, what that represents. And again, what we're going to be wanting to look at is all of these characters represent the components of our own consciousness. Correct. So again, anytime we approach these allegorical stories of the Wizard of Oz or Alice in Wonderland, which are both mentioned in these movies, right? both references are, and that's to tie together the spiritual unfoldment story that's kind of presented in front of us. Um, Anytime we're looking at any of these kind of stories, these larger allegories, these these bigger-than-life stories, we're looking at components within our own consciousness. And that's going to be the biggest thing moving forward. We can we can visualize this as an external storytelling on the screen, but it's just the interplaying of ourselves being in the in the physical, right? It's for our eyes. It's this play that's kind of happening. And so so big big aspects. You know, we're going to see the um the aspect of the sacred feminine. We're going to see the aspect of the divine will, finding the will the aspect of the purification of thoughts. We're going to see the damaging aspects of limiting belief systems and what happens when we put all of our faith in a belief system. Right. Um, you know, and we're going to watch this evolution kind of go through all these characters. And, you know, the main thing we're going to kind of focus in is the control and the power that comes in control. And we're going to look at this from an external lens of how that's pushed onto us but right. more empower, more importantly, we're going to look how this can be generated within the self. And right. we're going to really kind of learn a deep occult axiom. And that is the aspect that you can have power, but you don't have control. Right. But if you have control, you now have power. And that's what we're going to kind of get into. And there's so many other themes that are going to kind of come up. Um, and even what this matrix represents. Right. You know, like, and that's, you just, you said a great thing and, and Passio broke this down beautifully. First matrix is very much as what is the matrix, right? Second matrix, how did we get into the matrix? And the third matrix is how do we get out of the matrix, right? right? And so, and even, you know, he spoke about that in his presentation of how, like, isn't it funny how the sequel, the two following films weren't as popular and it's because people don't mind seeing what the matrix is. They kind of know this. It's kind of intuitive when it gets part in front of their eyes. They're like, oh, yeah, it's a little bit more apparent there. Um, but that's a lot easier. But when you have to start getting down deep of like, how did we get into the matrix? And we start seeing how maybe our own strings might be powering some of this. It gets a little bit more personal and it gets a little bit more uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's and, what makes it difficult to 
right to really take that that path the path of being responsible to give power to authority rather than power to truth exactly which is the ultimate authority right you know and that's that's going to be this this whole aspect of you know we're going to learn all of the hermetic principles are going to come up here yeah you know the law of generation polarities okay the aspect of the electromagnetic energy that we spoke so much about last episode how is our energy being used who are you giving your energy to you know even this aspect in this discussion of you know in this five sense reality we have to be honest with ourselves it's you're either dominating or you're surrendering at all moments okay and there's there is a realm that needs to be dominated and that's right. this the will the will needs to be dominated it needs to be honed and kind of carved out of marble right but then there's this aspect of there is something that we need to surrender to well what are you surrendering to are you surrendering to this man-made matrix that's just kind of pushing glamour and facade and kind of that woman in the red dress or are you s- surrendering to natural law 100%. truth the highest principle of the universe and so yeah man i'm excited to kind of cover all of these themes um you know even what that wet red pill and the blue pill means but i love where you brought it up because what's unique about seeing a trilogy is the longer telling story of the spiritual development and even how unique it is is you know we have successes within the spiritual development but that doesn't mean the journey's over you know like there's conclusion and there's good enthusiasm after the first movie but there's still all these more difficult trials and tribulations still to come which is very telling of our own spiritual development and how you have this initial first burst and there's all this enthusiasm but you learn very quickly that that enthusiasm will kind of start to fade if there's not a generating force to keep that energy going and that's really what the spiritual development is it's finding out how to fan that fire how do we bathe in the waters of the mystics rather than kind of just splash around or maybe even drown when we do certain kind of like you know psychoactive experiences um and so that first theme you brought up i think is probably one of the most important themes and that is true that our first character Neo or Mr. Anderson at this moment um, is sleeping, but there's something that's also happening at that same moment. Um, and so we have the main character, which is going to represent the will, right? The divine will. Um, but there's something else that's always happening at that same time when that main character is asleep. Did you pick up on that part? Because I thought that was fascinating. There's like two events happening at once while the main character is asleep as Neo. Did you catch the parallel of what's happening in that scene right next to it afterwards? Do you mean with the with technology knocking on him or So um you know the aspect that in all the movies Neo's sleeping in the beginning but Trinity the oh, sacred right. feminine is in the stress. I didn't want to jump too too much ahead. Yeah. No, it's, is it's, that okay? I'm sorry. And I was no, fishing for No, 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 it. that's no. good. That's good. That's no. good. And I think that that's what's going to make this discussion uh, a lot of fun. I mean, we both know where we're going with this. So just by all means, go for it, man. Um nothing is a spoiler here, but yes. I think that's the main thing we should talk about. I mean, uh, if you go back to some of the episodes and a lot of the stuff will resonate to the episodes we've done before. We talk about the trivium, right? So here we can actually have you know how we're going to make that triangle apparent on Perfect. on how all three will will come together but yes how the first line that connects to the second line will go if we're making a triangle if you can picture that in your mind's eye you have neo then connecting right to his to the trinity to the heart right to to the heart in distress right calling to him or in all three movies there's always that reason to to take action right 
Yeah, well, what, you know, it's, it's letting you know that the divine will within humanity is asleep, and the sacred feminine is in distress, and the, the protector of the sacred feminine, which is, again, the sacred feminine is in within all of us. The protection of your sacred feminine within your own vessel, within your own chariot, is your divine will. The divine will is what protects the sacred feminine so it can blossom, you know, your destiny. Right. As, you know, that's so you can actually ground with this flow of God, right? And so this this divine will is needed for that protection. Um, and it's not because the sacred feminine um, is weak. It's because the sacred and feminine is important. It doesn't protect it because it's weak. It's not that it's weak. It's because it's important. We see that Trinity throughout the movie can protect herself. She's one right. of the most capable characters, actually, of protecting herself. It's not that she's weak. It's because she's important. And that's something we need to think about when we see any time a knight is protecting the princess in any kind of esoteric story, it's not protecting her because they're weak. It's protecting them because it's important. It's the connection to... It's the truth. You women know what I mean? Women and children it, first. We always said that before. Women and children first, because there's there's purity there. And you, you know feel what I mean? It. You, you feel can it. feel it. Us as as this gender role, I shouldn't say that in anybody else, but for me, it's like it's a it's a no brainer. You know, you feel it. The calling of like, okay, this is, I can step down because for the yeah, higher cause. Here. There's there's a nourishing aspect there. Right. There's a you know there's there's a creative aspect. There's the aspect of um, you know the universe is is very well seen and kind of felt, and we know that. Like that's that's something that's not that's kind of new. And so what we're seeing here is the the female in our modern day society, the sacred feminine, has been very much restricted by by the state and almost the planet Saturn and matter. Okay, and so what happens here is the female vessel. Um, it gets so. The female vessel becomes so cold and calcified um, in this experience. It comes so cold and calcified in society around this female experience gets so cold and calcified that it no longer recognizes its mother. And actually the system is trying to destroy its own mother. Yeah. We're going to kind of see that, but that's exactly what these these kind of agents of the state that are going to be kind of going after Trinity at first. And this is kind of the death of intuition. This is the date of this is the death of creativity. Right. This is the death of holistic thought. Um, all of those amazing aspects that are really generated and housed in the right side of the brain, um, which is again what we're kind of what we're kind of working with between these two characters um, is that divine will and that degeneration of care mm -hmm. in the heart and that aspect of the of the sacred feminine, um, and so. You know, it's really going to um, be an interesting, interesting aspect because the heart is the unofficial spokesperson of this whole movie, right? Right, like symbolically, when you start looking at it, the heart plays the biggest scenes. You know, it's they're fighting, yeah, they're being able to dodge bullets everywhere. If you ever look at the transformational scenes, it's going to deal with the heart. And you know, again, they did a great job in that little breakdown. But even where this story starts. The hotel room that we find Trinity in yeah. is it's in the hotel room, which is the heart of the city, right? And that's what the, the hotel is called. And this is actually where the first story ends as well, mm -hmm. in the heart of the city. And it's very interesting because she's in room 303, right? right. 
Um, and 30, so 30, 33 degrees, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so what we're saying there is when we're doing numerology, if there's a zero, we kind of drop that out. So the 33 degrees of Freemasonry, right? Which, which represents the melting of, of the, of the icing of that heart, you know, perfect. Absolutely. You know, so. It's those first stages of kind of illumination masonry. Right. right. Um, and so, I mean, just so interesting that it starts there. So, right. Yeah. And so again, cycles and patterns, um, the heart cycle, the heart pattern, everything is is kind of connected. And you know what's what's unique too about this this Trinity character. And let's because we're we kind of meet her first, right? Which is the emotions um, in this story. Because the first time we meet Neo or Mister Anderson at this moment, he's sleeping, right? So we're not really getting much response from him. But something that's unique about this story, which is really this this beautiful modern story, um, and it really helped push in, I think, the age of Aquarius is because this this feminine energy we're seeing here is more of this, of course, like the Sophia feminine energy that we're going to talk about in Gnosticism, but she's also going to a very much of this Luciferian approach as well, as well. So we're going to see a very strong independent feminine image, which is a little bit counter to what we saw in the age of Pisces. Right. Because of duality, they would always kind of have to make the masculine and the feminine dual partners and like dual aspects of each other because it was kind of part of the age. We had to kind of separate everything in that age into camps of, you know, this is what this means and this is what that means, right? Well, we're we're evolving out of that age. Um, and so this is more of an age of Aquarius telling of this coming of consciousness and the feminine energy, which is Trinity, is going to be um, given a more proper expression of that energy that comes within mm-hmm. um really similar i would say to um the number seven in the movie nine did you see that kind of res- yeah. did you see that resemblance absolutely you know just like badass independent um they use the same i mean when i when i watched the movie nine i remember distinctively looking over to who i was watching it with and saying oh this is just this is trinity all over again and neo as you know the number nine still kind of coming to as he's, you know, realizing what's happening slowly, right. you know, at his own pace while she's already like, all right, I need, I don't need to explain it to you. Just, you need to trust, you need to move and you yeah. move when I say so. And he's just like, okay, you know, yeah. he's never like, well, who are you and why, you know, if anything, they're more of in state of awe right. and sort of like understanding that what's happening internally is instinctive to know who to follow and the lead of this uh, more, awakened individual by the eyes being already open, which Neo and this movie are not yet. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. But that's a great point. I love that you brought that up since we did cover nine. Um, Yeah. I saw that correlation really quickly. And I, and again, I love this aspect and especially this, this combination of Sophia, which is going to be something we're really going to get into much deeper in Gnosticism and this combination of that Luciferian energy Mm kind of coming in here is going to be um, again, just a a really good um, kind of head start on kind of what this story is entailing and how unique of a character Trinity is going to be. And she's going to be the one that actually creates trust within Neo. And there's going to be a lot of experiences in the first one. Neo kind of has to almost take some leaps of faith. Mm -hmm. It's going to be Trinity that's there to give his heart that desire and that guidance. And so this intuitive guiding aspect of the heart um, and how she, again, controls so much of the movie, um, but in her own way, you know, maybe not as direct as what Morpheus would do, but 
when you argue who's the pivotal character. Um, and I think when we kind of get into the conversation of what I foresee of what the fourth movie is going to be about, if if this cycle of these three movies are going to run correctly, um, it sounds like the fourth movie is going to be a focus on Trinity. Um, and I think that's going to kind of help maybe complete the story even, even further. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of... We come to Neo, right? Um, and then he wakes up and he's got that message on his screen, right? It says, wake up, Neo. Yeah. Right? The Matrix has you. Yeah. 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 And gosh, you know, it's just it's just so funny because like, if we can all kind of flash back, and I know some of us are young, so we're not going to remember this, but um, like what your original definition of the Matrix was, you know, like I, I was not, when I first saw this movie, this was movie belonged entirely in science fiction in my mind. It oh, really yeah. wasn't. I didn't I see was, the connection. Yeah, no, I was 12. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were young. Um, and I mean, we were more attracted to the, um, to the dodging bullets and kind of thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Like that's effects were really what sold the movie. And yeah. And, and so, so and that's what kind of pulled us in, you know, although I do remember, and I, I'll say this for real um, from when I was a kid, I didn't understand why the, I, I'll never forget this. I was living in Mexico at the time when this came out. And I remember what I would do is I'd pay a lot of attention to American made movies and what their dialogues were saying. I just had that kind of need to always know, oh, how was this written? And I've always had that curiosity, but this movie, I remember always being dropped. Um, even if you watch it now, everything that is said has these one sentence sort of mind grenades. And I, at, the, at the time, I didn't know what any of that meant. I just remember thinking like the way this movie, like the only time they kind of play out of sort of giving you a, a lesson are like the move the parts where you would consider fun when like there's the simulations and then all that right. stuff. But there, for the most part, when you first meet Morpheus, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, uh, they just sort of put these one, yeah, you know, you know what I'm it's, talking it's about. It's like little nuggets of gold. Yeah, based, like, yeah. But I just remember thinking like, oh, it's a very weird, not a weird way, but it was to me at the time. Again, I didn't understand what was happening. I just thought this is an interesting way to make a movie in order to just get through the scenes. They're just very short. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's like, here, here's this and here's this. Mm -hmm. And then the next scene. And then it's like, here's what I have to say about what you just experienced on the next one. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really, you know what I'm saying? But now I know why. Obviously, you watch it again. You're like, oh my God, they're just dropping knowledge right. from the very get-go. You know what I mean? Um, right. So, um, yeah. So, that's all I remember at the time when we were when we were kids. Is thinking like, how, how interesting is, is the pace? And I thought it had to do with pace. That was it. Yeah. I was like, oh, the reason they're saying things in such a short burst like that they're just trying to keep this movie at a pace that's like you don't need to think about what we're what's really going on we're telling you moving on yeah you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely absolutely like it, even when he uh, well well i don't want to get too ahead of myself but when he first you know after he meets trinity i remember um and i just saw the movie again recently um but i do it's just so obvious you know when when he ends up um having to be reprimanded for being late to work and it's just such a telling scene yeah you know, so I just remember that, you know, uh, right. when I watched it again, I was like, oh my God, it's all just right there when, you know, but, uh, but yeah, let's go back to how he's, he's wakened, uh, awoken by, by Morpheus, right? You know? Well, yeah, we think it's Morpheus that sent him that message, right? right? It's right. that wake up or Neo. He's, you know, waiting for 
that connection to Morpheus. Yeah, and he doesn't even know it at this point, right? Because right. he's just kind of, again, he's just kind of in his in his own world. Um, and then that's exactly it. We have the, he sells some kind of computer hacking program after that message comes right. up on the screen. And then um, actually the that empty book that he puts the, the disc in, that was the book that that's you spoke about that... About. Much of the aspect was, and that was the allegory, that was the uh, allegiance that was given to Alice in the Wonderland because it says, follow the white rabbit. And he's, you know, he's offered to go out to that club and he's really kind of turning it down. And then he sees the tattoo um, and he follows that. And that's, there's, there's importance to that. When we see spiritual signs on our path, you know, when you get that urge to, you know, I talk about at that time, I got the urge to go into the Barnes and Noble bookstore. Like I'm not a big fan of Barnes and Noble. Um, I didn't have the money to buy the book I did, but it worked out and that was a life-changing experience, you know? So these these little moments in life that grab you to kind of try to push you a certain kind of way, acting upon those, seeing the synchronicity in these moments, especially as we start approaching this path through spirituality, because we start to see more synchronicities, because we're more open to pattern recognition, um, because we understand that that's, that's going to be very much a, a part of this um of this whole experience. And so you're right. We kind of go, um, we kind of leave, but before we leave, we see the room 101 and that is where Mr. Anderson or Neo lives. Um, and this is actually a shout out to big brother's room in, um, 1984. 1984. Thank you. I was yeah. just about, I was just about to blank out of what yeah, the, the title of, of that was. Of the worst of your fears. The worst of your fears. And this is where, um, the main character has to have these experience with rats because it was rats that was around, I think his mother, when he found her during those, those very traumatic events of his early life. Um, and there's just something about this. Uh, this room of our darkest fears, and we and we see this. He's kind of in this depression, low self. Um, but this one, this room one hundred and one, goes back to this aspect of what we spoke about with power and control. This matrix, this matrix that we're going to kind of discover, and we're going to be able to say it in as many ways as we possibly can in the environment we find ourselves in. This matrix doesn't just want power over you. It needs full control. Mm-hmm. Okay, there was something that was very special about that room 101 in 1984 because they have to break you. Mm-hmm. They don't just go and just start killing political prisoners. They need you to bend the knee first. They need you to lose all hope. They need you to break down and they need you to fully accept the system. And then they'll kill you. And that's exactly what happens in 1984. They wait for you to fall in love with the system and then they just put a bullet behind you. You know, it's this aspect, it's the same thing we saw with the Game of Thrones of bending your knee. And this is what the esoteric significance is, is because you really only want to surrender to one power. And that's that the universal life force of right. all life. There's only one power to honor, and it's the universal life, you know? It's the, it's the common denominator, mm-hmm. right? It's everything else is just really vanity compared to it. Um, so this matrix... Um, can't really have you knowing that. Right. You know, and we're going to kind of talk about what this matrix is and Morpheus will kind of explain our role in this matrix and what the matrix kind of feeds from us. But going into this understanding that this, what we're dealing here is this matrix isn't just looking for power because you can have power, but you don't have control. There's a lot of politicians today that have power, but they don't actually have control. It's it's by other means. Like there's, right. you know, the finances behind them, whatever it is. 
their cabinet members, whatever it is. But if you have control, you have power. Yeah, there's a, to fast forward, um, to make your point, there's a, the scene where, um, you know, when Neo finally meets Morpheus, it's imperative to know, as he says, you've always known, and like a splinter in your brain, it's been, you know, the truth has been, has been within you to want to be discovered. And that's the part that Daniel, in my opinion, is referring to, to being broken. It's like, we don't need you to have that splinter any longer anymore. It's not so much the power over you as much as the control over what controls the will to want to know uh, more and what lies beyond um, this reality. I think that's the control that people want is that no longer you have the ability to go seek within what lies behind the veil. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the, that's to me the control they've always wanted is that they don't want you to have this sort of, cause they keep doing it. I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit down the road, but they'll talk about, you know, um, they'll just disguise as a, as a, as a new source that you have put your faith into and try to beat you before you get there. So just like the new age movement, you know, we, we talked about this before we even had the podcast. It's like those who think they've awoken or have leaned into spirituality don't realize that whatever they are trusting into has already been taken over by those who are gaining that control over what you think is the higher source already. And so I think that's what the ultimate goal is going to be is to have a belief system to be shattered completely. Not, there is no belief system other than into the system and then you die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, it's, it's just such a good, esoteric principle even isolated from this conversation you, you can have power but you don't have control mm -hmm. and so think about that even with yourself like you can have power of compassion you can have power of intellectual insight you could have power of craftsmanship but if you have no control over those powers they're probably not going to be utilized for their fullest extent and their fullest expression, right? And so the more control that we actually can harness in ourselves, the more power we have. And so what we're going to be kind of seeing with this matrix is all of the control of the life is kind of being changed over into the matrix and it's mm -hmm. being pushed over there. Um, and that's how we've lost our capacity of power. And it's right. kind of this, even almost this illusion at this point. And so, you know, just that understanding alone, isolated from the conversation that, you know, you can have power and not have control. Um, and then you really don't have any power, but if you have cow, if you have control, you automatically have power, right. you know, it's, it's this, it's this whole aspect of really looking at the causal factors of what's going to be, what's actually going to be the means that are going to create that end. And it doesn't, power doesn't create control, control creates power. Um, and so that's what we're going to be kind of looking at. Not only how we're getting controlled from the external world, but what's controlling us. You know, these agents, we can talk about them all day long as agents of the various institutions in our physical life, but where do these agents come alive within us? You know, where are these agents that defend this, five sense reality where are these agents that defend the allegiance to these man-made systems oh yeah absolutely you I mean, know it's it's within us because it's just like you said like you know even our thoughts can be very much influenced and when we think about the amount of institutionalization we have um one of the big sobering experiences is kind of coming to be like where where are my thoughts like what are my thoughts and what are the thoughts of my society what am i getting kind of orchestrated and almost trained to speak and reply to. And you can hear this 
just in everyday conversations, oh, people right. word from word verbatim will quote, you know, an article from the internet. Or even, so like I always, I've talked about this with you before, but when we go back to the episodes of Bloodline, the code that ro- runs through us in our DNA um, gets revitalized by the lies of history that allow us to believe um, something that controls us by fear. Mm-hmm. So in the bloodline and in the code, there was suffering, there has been suffering, but you keep the memories of suffering in order to tell the masses, in my opinion, uh, why we have it better than they did. And therefore, this is why you bend down to the opportunities that are now available to you, which are better than the ones that existed then. And so even when you learn history, the main thing that I remember as a child understanding is, wow, I'm so glad I don't live in those times because in the times I live in now, it's all good, which by duality makes you realize or makes you live to the the laws of the authority you've put your faith in and energy into because you're like, they got it right now. So they have it right, therefore, now it's okay. Hmm. This is who I need to obey by because they are looking for my best interest. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that all is intertangled or intermixed with, you know, the code of memories from the past, but they are in the past in the time that they were in suffering, but they bring them to the forefront to sort of mix them together and be like, no, like you, if you go back just a little bit enough, you'll know that even your grandparents in the in the time of the Great Depression, this is what they didn't have, and this is what you have, and we gave you that. Therefore, mm-hmm. there's nothing for you to question. And so even when you're just a child, you're already thinking like, oh, I'm just already living in what's better for me. Mm-hmm. You're already just taking the word of someone else telling you what's better for you. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. like that's that's where we give up our own right, our own control, our own our will is sort of like manipulated to think, no, no, I'm doing what's best for me. What's best for me is to go by this construct that's been built here before me because it was built to better the species, which is a total lie um, as far as, you know, that being aligned with truth. Right. Absolutely. Truth doesn't have any say in what the industrial revolution did to where we are now in order to live a quote unquote better life. But we accept it as that to be the truth in order to move on. Yeah, well, you know, obey, you, you know, I mean, even just the aspect how we look at history linear, you know, we I mean. look at yeah, it in yeah, a linear yeah. way, like yeah, how we're like, taught to look at it in linear that's way. That's how you're and, looking at it. You're like, right. that's where it was. This is what it is. And therefore, you know, um, yeah, right. there's nothing for me to really think about or question. Yeah, um, yeah. absolutely. And so, yeah, man. And I mean, to kind of come back just so we could kind of get from that, what that room 101 represents, but just that ultimate... It's not just, they're not even just after your mind. They're after your soul. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not just mind control. And that's what this movie really is. It's it's kind of really more about not just so much like physical slavery, but more mental slavery. Um, well, putting but, your heart into something that, that they have given you to put your heart into. That's just awful. Right, right. And, you know, what are we using that generative force in our will for? And so that's, that's exactly what this is going to kind of come to. They... They need to take the whole, they need to take humanity completely out of humans. Right. And that's what this this aspect is and of this demoralization and this teaching us that we're just, you know, cockroaches. And it's this poisoned worldview that they're, that they're really trying to kind of spread 
Um, and we see later on, which is so interesting, is this poisoned worldview is actually going to turn into a computer virus in the program. Right. And it's Mr. It's actually Mr. Smith. Um, and it's this poisoned worldview that actually causes even the machines to be like, wow, this is getting out of hand. And that's exactly kind of what we're seeing generated here. But it's the, it's the cremation of care which is an esoteric ritual that is done. And that's kind of what they want the process to go. So again, we're just looking at this full control. It's not even just a physical slavery that the matrix is going to be, um, you know, push onto these characters symbolically, um, but also a mental and a a spiritual one as well. Um, And that's kind of, and that's kind of what they're working for. Um, And so either way, man, we, we flash forward, we're at the club and now we have the coming together of the emotions and the will, right? We have Trinity meeting Neo, right? And that's going to be this perfect, perfect experience. And then what's going to um, be so, which is going to be so great is Trinity is going to be the transporter of the divine will with thought, right? And now we're, we're coming to almost make this connection. Now the will and the process of thought is going to kind of come together. And that's with Trinity taking Neo on that journey to meet Morpheus. You know, the will meets the spirit, right? And then the will and the spirit um, aren't necessarily um, connected just yet, because even though she says to him um, that he will meet Morpheus, he wakes the next day to find out that he's late for work. And that's when he finds out that he must um, really trust his intuition because he still hasn't met Morpheus. Right. And we get the phone call. And we get the phone yeah, call. Yeah, absolutely. But he's absolutely. also been already sort of put into a, a, a haze uh, as far as his thought goes because he's been reprimanded by the greater authority that we all see in the movie and in this case i think it's personified by his boss who Mm -hmm. says you know you think you're special you think you're someone who is 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 special from the rest of us he's like but you know we are the most successful and in order to stay successful we need everyone to be on the same page and if you don't follow our pace then you can see yourself out and so he's kind of in a fog sort of just you know trying to figure out okay this is this is the the world I'm in right now as, as Mr. Anderson, and he goes back to his desk, and that's when Morpheus reaches him. Right, and it's through that phone call through first, that phone right? Call. Yes, and then this is kind of this um, almost this um, this leap of faith that you know this that our character um, Neo is going to kind of go through because he sees the agents approaching. There's this aspect of fear, um, and he's kind of guided by Morpheus to get to this certain spot, but then we see the, um, the refusal of the journey, which is something we talk about in the hero's journey, right? There has to be a, a trying to turn back kind of thing. And this is going to be something that we're going to see Neo go through a lot through this whole experience of, you know, even when he, after he eats the pill, he kind of asks, can I go back? And Morpheus is like, you wouldn't want to. Right. Right. Um, But that's exactly what we're kind of seeing here. We're seeing this, this hesitation to the spiritual development. And this is, we can see this play out in our own lives when we've right. kind of, you know, taken stuff to kind of keep maybe more of our physical um, comforts or aspects that we've avoided um, areas of growth or just kind of, you know, kind of covered certain things up. And so ultimately, Neo's not going to 
fully be able to trust Morpheus. And so he surrenders himself to these agents. Um, and then, so we have this, this really cold interrogation scene um, where really we, we kind of see the power and we really kind of see this aspect that Neo is actually in a situation where he really doesn't have any rights. Like he thinks he does, you know, he's dealing with a certain, a different kind of energy. And this is something that's going to kind of come with even our understanding of the matrix and what the matrix is. Mm -hmm. I mean, just kind of how deep that energy of control kind of goes and even to the, you know, and this is going to be something that we're going to kind of get deeper and go deeper down that rabbit hole as we kind of continue this journey of our own individual spiritual development. Um, but there's this aspect of fear and he actually gets something so interesting. He actually gets put um, that tracking device in his belly button. Yeah, he's bugged. He's bugged. And so interesting because it's the connection of the umbilical cord, right. you know, the connection back to the source and actually putting a bug in a tracking device Through in his him. navel point. Yeah. In his navel point, which, you know, I think very much is that navel point is this is that, this is the base. This is that Malkuth energy. This is kind of where, you know, childhood trauma can be as well, you know? And so it's going to be really interesting that what to the sacred feminine is going to be the one that actually pulls that out of him at one point and actually rids him of that that pain that's that's staying in those lower level chakras and right through the the umbilical cord which could represent maybe early childhood experiences and how we actually use the waters that don't wet the hands which is the sacred feminine to heal those wounds and kind of purge us of any kind of um you know negative relationship we have with experiences and so um and she and and then that scene where once again, Trinity always, and in the whole movie, you'll you'll see these lines that I was talking about that, you know, when I was a kid and I was watching this, that are just right into the point. But she says to him, finally, face to face, you need to trust me. Because mm-hmm. again, he's, he's riddled by fear of knowing that there's something inside of him. But again, she just reminds him like, it's, it's, it's either now and this is it, or you step out of the car and don't continue this on. So he's got a second chance. Uh, again, to refuse the calling of the journey, and he stays in. Right. And, you know, and it's so fascinating, too, because if we think about, you know, when they... So what happens is he gets released from the police, they pick him up, um, the characters um, that we've met with Trinity and um, the individuals that she's traveling with. And, and you're right, because there's a scene when they, like, open the door and she's like, you know, you can leave. Like, if you if you don't want to do this, like, you, but trust me, you've been down that road before. And it was, it's a wet, cold, depressing road. You know, it was cut off from the heart. Do you want to go down that cold road away from your heart and your emotional core? Are you going to further deny the spiritual experience and the spiritual unfoldment that's trying to blossom within yourself? Right. Um, and what is what's the consequences? What good is going to come down going down that rut, rut road by yourself, you know? Um, and so again, yeah, the trust of the emotions. We're having this aspect of surrender. What do you surrender to? You know, again, this we can't always be in this domination role and we can't also be always in the surrendering role. It's this play between those two, those two um, polarities. Um, but what you surrender to. Well, surrendering to the emotional and the sacred feminine is the f- one of the biggest steps of the alchemical process, you know, and that's what we're seeing him go through at this moment. Um, and that's what's getting him ready, and that's what's going to get him in alignment to the character that we meet next, which is going to be Morpheus, mm-hmm. and he's really going to represent the law, which is thought, the logos, 
right? He's going to represent the mind, the, the mind right? And this is now the connection of the mind with the divine will connected by the heart, right. the sacred feminine, okay? Making that connection. Um, and then something that we see very early on is these characters aren't going to be all together at once for a very long time. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be, she brings him to meet Morpheus and then immediately leaves. And so the the thought needs to meet the will. Right. And we need to have this like coming to mo- together moment. And then, like you were saying, the thought representing Morpheus at this time um, kind of drops some big nuggets of information in this scene. Um, and probably one of the most famous scenes, I would say, um, probably from the movies. Oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everybody has referenced this scene for the last, you know, 20 years since, since it's been out and, and the scene of making the choice, you know, and, and very much to the point out of all the colors, you know, in the color wheel, do you have the red and the blue and which choice you take, um, will change the, the path that, um, that'll change his faith at least. And, and he gets the last chance, you know, the mind tells him one more time, you know, this is, this is what you're about to see. And then if you want to go out the door and wake up tomorrow and pretend whatever you want to pretend, then so be it. And, and as we already know, Neo takes, takes the red pill. Uh, in order to to take the next step into what the matrix is, and that's what the mind is going to, you know, allow him to to see for the first time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's again, that's kind of that red representing that active aspect of consciousness, actively taking those steps to approach truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's we we spoke about that. There's this this quickening that happens, there's this feedback, kickback that happens as we start moving towards, you know, the connection with the creator rather than its creation. Right. You know, when we make that that move, there's a there's a quickening, there's an energy reflection that comes back that's felt immediately. And we're we're gonna kind of start this journey. And I think one of the most important things that Morpheus says at this scene is the aspect that, um, you know, I'm only showing you the door. Like, I'm only, I'm, this isn't going to be a pleasant topic is pretty much right. what he's saying. Like, this isn't going to be comfortable. It's not going to be rainbows, which, you know, as spiritual individuals, we all know that, you know, it's, you have these moments of bliss and of expansion and enthusiasm that comes with spiritual development and progress, but it, it's a, it's a it's a sickening experience, especially yeah. at first. It's a painful process. Very, very painful process, yeah, you know? I mean, and all the things we talk about, the rebirth is always um, very traumatic, you know? The rebirth is like the birth. It's just, it's a traumatic experience that you must, you know, go through as many times as necessary, you know? And when it does happen, we talked about this in the seven stages of alchemy, you know? As as you come to one level, you move on to the next, and uh, and he's moving into just the very the very tip of it right now, you know, he's just entering that world. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. He's De- deconstruct or reconstruct here. Um, and yeah, he, he, I mean, we already seen the scene, you know, he wakes, he wakes in what now really is the real world. The time that he finds himself in, in the five cent construct that, um, he is created in, you know, um, and what he's being used for. Um, and that's the scene where he, he finds himself, you know, unplugging from the matrix. Yeah. When he's in those like 
how KFC makes their chicken pods kind of thing. Like they're just like growing humans, right? Yep. And you eat absolutely. And it's these these synthetic iPods, right? Um, that are harvesting energy. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're gonna start approaching is this idea that the machines live off of the energy that's harvested off of humans. And so if we can just take the machines and drop that S, the machine lives off of the harvesting of the humans, right? And so we can kind of understand how this this kind of plays. Um, And so quickly after he disconnects from the system, does he get dropped like garbage? Yeah, pretty much. The the moment he disconnects um, and is alive and they notice that they can no longer harvest energy from him, he gets shot down a little um, like a garbage chute, right? Yeah. And kind of makes his way down, um, which is just which is just fascinating. Okay, and so, and we see the confusing aspect again: the confusing, overwhelmed, kind of lost in your own emotions, almost drowning because he almost does drown when he kind of goes into the water. And it's not he's rescued by that that light, that light that comes from above, right? So this is going to kind of represent um, kind of spiritual guidance, um, and he's going to be and he's going to be pulled on a board, and we're going to kind of really get our first glimpse of what the real world now looks like. Yeah, there's a lot of those scenes where he looks up. Absolutely. And and up, getting a higher perspective, uh, that's another theme that you're right. It kind of is just all over the place in this story. Um, And that's, again, that's kind of something where... We're looking to explore, and so this um, this whole aspect of this rehabilitation and kind of building up the eye, building up the body, um, and really just kind of building all the components again. And it's kind of this rebuilding process and this reincorporating process after our first spiritual awakening, where you really haven't seen before. Because he asks, he's like, "Why did my eyes hurt?" And they're like, "You know, you haven't seen before." Like this that's is the first time you've seen. As a kid that I was like. There's more to, like, how come they're not saying more than to that, you know? Right. I remember feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they just kind of tell them, like, well, you've never used your eyes before. You've never used them before. You know, it's going to be this this whole aspect of all of these experiences. And we really kind of start to see what this, you know, we're waking up with Neo at this process as well. We're kind of following along with him. And what's just kind of interesting is we kind of have the same knee-jerk reactions, especially in the moments that Morpheus is going to kind of continue with, like, the education of Neo, there's going to be some knee-jerk reactions where you're like, oh, well, we're not batteries, you know? And then we start thinking about it, and you really start kind of processing it, and you start really thinking about, like, why can the agents morph into anybody, you know? And then you start seeing those connections, and you're just like, holy macaroni, there's something happening here, you know? And again, this is all happening within, Okay, and so this is the same fear, this aspect of connecting with your thoughts, which is the law, you know, usually utilizing your emotions and your sacred feminine in your heart and your aspect of care to connect your will with the thought, right? And make that bridge and actually create that trinity, which trinity um, so um, beautifully kind of pulls together for these for these characters um, and kind of this completion of the story. But um, But yeah, just this... This fascinating status, and so we kind of have this rebuilding. We kind of meet some new characters. Um, you know, we're, we kind of meet the Judas character at this moment, too. We're going to meet Cypher, who's actually going to be a, a turd, yeah. um, who's going to turn on us. You, um, you meet him, actually, at the moment where 
again, the divine feminine is trying to nurture that what she knows is going to be an important person in the development of this or the unfolding of this journey. Remember, she she goes to to aid Neo as he's recovering since he's been atrophied and all that other things that are happening to his physical body. But she goes there to make sure that, you know, he has enough. And as she closes the door, boom, you meet Cypher, who mm-hmm. said, who blatantly just says, I don't remember you ever, you know, taking care of me when I, when I was, you know, awakened. And she kind of stops and looks at him. There's kind of this tension there for a minute. Um, but you kind of know what's, what probably will come from him. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, even when you, um, when they meet him, like his, his eyes kind of shift a little bit, like he doesn't make complete, he doesn't hold eye contact. Um, you know, and there's, there's just aspects, aspects there, but yeah, we kind of go through this, this whole, um, this whole kind of journey and we kind of get this little re-education and, you know, kind of fast forward and he's going to kind of be fast forward and trained, right? Because there's actually like, you can actually download into the matrix and there's all these like, you know, amazing scenes when he's, he's training and kind of going through all these aspects, but really for this idea that they can kind of create programs within the matrix. Right. And so what we're seeing here is they, this understanding of the creative principle of the universe. And we partake in creation because we can, we are creators because we partake in creation. But you can't create unless you free the mind. And that's what he has to start learning from the very beginning is, for, you know, just because he has the download and it may, may be the aspect or the um, attributes of doing something physical doesn't mean it'll get you further in this world unless you free the mind. And gain control, right? You know, because freeing the mind is gaining control of your own mind, right? right? And so that comes back again. You can have all the power in the world. He can just type in that judo um, program and learn, you know, jujitsu. But like, do you have control over it? Can you actually utilize it? And again, that's going to just resonate with one of those those really, really large themes. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're kind of just, we're making our way through. We have these these experiences of training, which again, you know, Nia, we're, what we're seeing here is is this aspect of the thought training the will. Right. Right. And so we really kind of have Morpheus um, kind of representing in that triune brain as kind of the training of the R complex. This is kind of the Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is the, the master learning, just showing him physically how to control his body and mm-hmm. utilize his body, where Trinity is going to be more of the education of the heart. Right, and she's going to teach him how to care and tr- teach him what true care is in the holistic healing aspect and generative aspect of care. Where Morpheus is going to be more concentrated on kind of that that five sense reality, right? Right, and so again, we kind of have the 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 teacher, the sun teacher, and the moon teacher here, um, kind of making making that um, making that situation felt. And you know, side note about this of when they're in the real world. Um, it's so funny, man, because this is like a misunderstanding that happens quite often. If I ever hear people talking about the Matrix and they're like, oh, I love the clothes in the Matrix, I always get really jazzed. And I'm like, oh, I love those too. Like those big, like oversized sweaters and like the, the ratty beanies. And they're like, no, we're talking about the cool leather jackets, like when they wear when they're in the Matrix. But to me, I always thought the coolest clothes when they were actually out of the Matrix. Oh, on the I think it's so interesting you're saying that. I felt the same way. Don't those look like the yeah, most comfortable? Like, how do you get clothes like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you could tell they're wearing them for no need of 
fashion, but only of necessity. But they're, they're, they look so comfortable. Yeah. I'm just like, I could just, I'm like, get, get me out of the Matrix just so I get those clothes. So you get those you on, know? Yeah. And like, like the leather is cool, but the other stuff, that's like... No, there's a very specific scene, and this is a complete side note and nothing to do with <laughs> any kind of spiritual game. But there is a scene where um, I think Neo approaches Tank, who's the guy who knows how to, you know, upload and download mm-hmm. all uh, information. And Neo is wearing a sweater long enough to cover the palms of his hands while he's holding like a cup of, of I don't know, whatever he's drinking. And I'm like, man, that just looks so comfy. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're saying this, dude. That's so funny. I was like, oh, that's just something I thought I had thought of. No, that's that's great, man. I love that that connection theory because I've I always like trench coat. I mean, yeah, me. I'm always like, oh, there's been a misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, but um, but completely side note, right? So we kind of have these these kind of programs. Some great wisdom is kind of shared, um, and we we start to see that Neo's getting tested a little bit, and we're seeing that the limits of his of his testing is coming of the lack of confidence within his own will, right? Right, in his own mind, right? Yeah, he Which finds is you can be hurt. In the real world, if you're hurt, if you allow yourself to be hurt in the matrix, right? Is the matrix sort of having a, a, you know, a dominant effect over the mind, right? Right, yeah. and so yeah, and we saw that that first leap of faith, fear which is the mind killer, yeah, fear is the <laughs> mind killer, right? Um, but that's exactly what we're seeing, you know. Um, and so we kind of have this whole training aspect, and again, this is this this whole this whole thing, and Neo's kind of. He's just like every other process. He's making his way as the as the fool does on his journey, right? He's making progress, but he's two steps forward, one step back. And um, so I believe the next kind of character that we're going to kind of cross path is the Oracle, correct? Um, but before we get to the Oracle, we got to talk about Spoon Boy. Oh, Spoon Boy is great. And and actually, before even the, the, the Spoon Boy, you learn about the agents, you learn a little more about the agents and, and it's Rat good to, sticks, it's, you're right. But it's, I mean, it's, we can go right back to, to no, the let's, let's start with the agents. Cause I think just, that's I perfect. just remember that you, you kind of understood that there was some, you know, malevolent, uh, energy going on, uh, in the matrix. And I think it is when Morpheus is teaching Neo to beware of the distractions that are within the matrix. And in this case, I think it's the woman in the red dress mm-hmm. for that moment. He, he loses concentration and only to be faced by an agent. And I think Morpheus explains to him, you know, how the agents are everywhere and can be anyone, uh, within the matrix and, and why they evade the, the agents in the first place. So, so yeah, I mean, if you want to take, go right into the agents, I mean, they're, they're a, they're a character that we've, we kind of brought up in the beginning, but yeah, let's, let's get right into the agents, you know, anyone who has not been unplugged. Right. So. Yeah. And, and that's it, you know, and the agents are going to really represent beyond what their physical representation is in the film. I think the, the unique thing we're going to see with these agents is that they can form into anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's this, this idea of, you know, the, these agents of this matrix and of this, of this kind of man-made matrix that we find ourselves in. Um, they can be all places, every place in all things, you know, um, because just how in universal law, God is in all places and is in all things. If they're mimicking universal law and they're trying to create a synthetic one, well, then they too have to be in all places in all things. Correct. And so we're seeing again, the mirroring of universal laws in a synthetic form 
trying to be presented as they're created by them. Right. And so this aspect of them being in all places and all things is just actually them replicating universal law, which again is the same thing the legal system is. It's based off of universal law, but there's certain things that are illegal, but are they unlawful? That's part of the matrix right exactly. there. You know, because there is, it's why can something be legal in this boundary of, of land, but if I go to another boundary of land, it's now all of a sudden is legal? Right. You know, uh, even though we can all probably agree on the aspect not being law unlawful, yeah, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Yeah, and so taking we're, the same feeling of what you find in your moral and uh, and even your higher level of understanding of principles, and then they've sort of fractured it and put it into small little things that are completely irrelevant to right. you know the universal laws of of the all seeing and all being. Um, to believe that it is part of that same construct. And it's like, no, it's not. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So. No, I, and I, and I love that. And so, so the aspect of how these States can be everywhere, mm-hmm. um, how these agents can be everywhere, um, to the aspect that one of the parts that comes up in this movie is you kind of have to look up like face to face in the mirror at one point and ask if you're an agent, you know, are you pushing the matrix are you holding people back from like finding themselves are you in an institution you know i know in education this was something that i struggled with so much that i don't even find myself in organized education anymore because there's there's a lack of truth being spoken you know right. and so in that realm because students kind of look not they do look up to their teachers for insight if i can't give them full insight i kind of feel like i'm being like my my words are being taken, almost like Neo in the inter- in interrogation room when they actually close his mouth and they limit his speech, which is right. very allegorical to what's kind of happening today. Um, and so, you know, these agents, this this could be all things, and it's not just the physical authority control, you know, as the agent. They, so they kind of look like Secret Service in this movie, but it's not. There's there's agents within the political realm. There's agents within the economic realm. There's agents within the social realm, education. Every component of this, you know, in, in every component institution within the society, the Matrix is saying they have an agent within to right. kind of make sure that the program stays balanced. Um, and that means... You know, even agents of opposition to the agents are part of those agents. Right. You know, which really starts to make us even think about, you know, other aspects. And again, this is just a story. So I'm sure none of this relates to what's actually happening in life. But gee whiz, it would be crazy if it was, right? <laughs> well, it's funny that we bring that up, you know, the agents um, as as a representation of the all-around judgment that we we either feel or face in this five um, sense construct that you're born into, then people, people will know right away. And that's how you, you make all these camps. You make camps out of the fear of being judged and wanting to not be judged makes you fall into a state of conformity in order to evade that sort of judgment. So therefore you kind of never really go too far within and never explore what the meaning of anything is because of the fear of being judged or being outed and being found out by an agent, but that in itself makes you an agent. Right. So you know what I mean? So interesting, you know, and it's just, again, these, these agents, um, to kind of keep, keep that, that machine in this really, this, this materialistic, 
um, you know, kind of aspect that we find ourselves in, you know, because again, if we use natural, I really feel like if we utilize natural laws to set up an economic system, even to set up a political system based off of natural law, there, there'd be a way to do that. But it's what we're, we're seeing is this like false synthetic copy that's claiming it's based off of that, but it's really just utilizing those principles for more control. Yeah. Right. Again, and it comes down with that aspect. They want complete control. It's not just your life. That's not what they're after here. Uh, they're playing for souls. You know, they're playing for all the marbles. And that's kind of, that's what we're, we're kind of, um, you know, kind of seeing. And, you know, and also just the, um, you know, the, this, even the, the destructive aspect of this, of this destruction of care and how, with the agent Smith, with Agent Smith, the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. This cremation of care that we're kind of we're seeing is um, like we we talked about. The, it's a virus that's going to be unkept. And it's going to mm-hmm. be uncontrollable at the end, um, and it's so something that the Matrix kind of put into program, um, and they don't even realize that it's actually going to be almost their own demise. That program, right? Which is that cremation of care, which again is going to be what Trinity is the the main display of of that that care and that that component aspect of the heart and again let's always retreat back to remember that trinity represents a component of our own consciousness just like neo does and just like morpheus does just to um just to make sure we're, we're kind of clear on that on that aspect um you know and how the agents are even anything that ties you to the matrix, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not even these institutions, but it's also desire energy, right? With the woman in the red dress, you know, um, that that pull. You know, like we don't, how the matrix sets up is, you know, even the aspect of success and our addiction to success. Success was set up so you don't actually fulfill your true life components and they define success in your society. So you get to a certain point and you just coast. That's, that's not by accident. You know, the idea that we have this defined success and really powerful individuals, like the, the, the high members up in this matrix, they don't care two cents about success. Okay. They don't care two cents about perceived power because remember they, it's all about control. Right. It's all about the will. Okay. And so again, this, you even talk, you hear about it when the agents talk about this, they're able to do this to the people in the matrix because they think the people in the matrix are pathetic. You know, they're just like your scum. Like we made it perfect and you guys couldn't handle it. And so we had to make it like this. Um, And it's kind of this viewpoint of the, the machines in the matrix and how they view humans. And it's that really poisoned worldview of, um, you know, you deserve this. Um, and you don't, you're not really living. So why would it matter that you die? Everything's going to die anyways. What's the big deal if we speed you up, Right. you know, um, or, you know, how do we kind of just generate your energy, which they're really going to kind of, kind of get filled on. And so, um, so interesting, interesting kind of aspect we had with the agents. But I know you have a lot of information too, man. So did you have anything else you wanted to add about the agents at this mm-hmm. point? I know it's going to keep coming up. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and they're, it's just gonna... they're, you know, they're part of, of you know, the breakdown in, into all three of the films. Um, but no, I, I like that we were heading into, if we can take a step away from the agents and move into back to what 
what is perceived by Neo as reality and how he's still learning how to free his mind. And you find that when he goes to see the Oracle, you know, he, he goes to the Oracle's house and the first thing he meets is a boy who can bend spoons. And the boy simply says to him, you know, you can't really bend the spoon. You have to bend your mind to bend the spoon. And that's when he kind of starts to realize like, okay, there's, there's something to this now, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and that's a very important lesson that you have to understand because again, even when he tries to fly, even when he thinks, oh, I have a, I have an understanding that this is a code. The code is the matrix. It's a world that's not really, you know, it's a world that has been con- constructed. I can probably do whatever I want, but if he doesn't believe it to be, then he still falls you know, uh, victim to, to the rules of the matrix. And that's the first. So then he gets another chance at, at, at that when he meets the boy. And again, we've talked about that, the voice of God being a child, you know, you have this child who simply just says to him, you know, don't try to, to bend the spoon, you know, don't, by, by trying to bend the spoon, you'll, you won't succeed, you know, bend your own reality to it. And he says, there is no spoon. There is no spoon. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great, great scene because again, it's it's none of the characters in the movie uh, or in the story that are opening his eyes to that. Again, it's a it's a young child that's of sort of kind of opening his mind to that. So, but yeah, then he meets the Oracle. So, if you want to kind of take it from there, yeah, and you know, and this is going to be this is an interesting. This is kind of that Empress card when we first meet her, and it's that wise, the wise counsel, to, right? To the the. The intuition of, of intuition sort of yeah and we're, we're really going to see that this is actually the counter to the architect who we'll meet kind of later on and this is the she considers the chaos factor within the matrix um and she's the oracle and with that aspect of that sacred feminine because we have such an understanding of patterns it's said that the oracle can see the future because she very much understands patterns which is something when we connect to that intuition and that holistic side of the brain that we too can perceive more of and call that capacity into our lives. And so the Oracle is going to really be the most unique character, I would say, because the Oracle is... um, The Oracle represents also that aspect of yourself that you're only going to be as ready for as much as you're ready for. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's going to be something that is going to be resonating. She's only going to tell Neo through that whole experience what he's actually capable of handling and what he's ready for. And that's going to be a unique kind of aspect when it comes to even the the distribution of wisdom knowledge. You know, like we, even if somebody's listening to this pod, a a past podcast, they're not ready for something or not even this podcast, say a different podcast, say they're listening to the podcast. And if they're not ready for the, the wisdom that maybe the individual sharing on that, it doesn't matter. It's not even to get it put into their ears. It's just going to kind of go right by them. Um, So you're only ready for the lesson, you know, you're ready for the lesson that you're ready for. Um, and that's exactly what she's going to perceive. And it's all through feeling with her. It's all kind of through, again, not approaching the system directly, not approaching the conversation directly in a very kind of, um, you know, a unique kind of entry that that she kind of does. And really, there's this famous scene where she's just like, you know, she points to the sign that says, know thyself. Um, and really saying that this is going to be the beginning and the ending of this work, um, but very much tells him like, hey, you're 
maybe maybe it is you, but not in this life. Yeah, you're waiting for something. You're waiting for something, right? What are you waiting for? And again, this this shows the spiritual progress of Neo. Like we kind of wanted to just jump in and be like, oh, but he's the one. Like there's going to be this destiny thing. He's figured it out, right? But there's again, there's this whole process we're moving through. Um, and this actually kind of you know it it fulfills the self-fulfilling prophecy that he was already having for himself of like, oh, I'm not the one, right? And it's going to kind of start this this whole um this whole chain of an events, um, because obviously in the process of them heading back to the real world from the Matrix after meeting the Oracle, right. that's where we have the situation when Cypher kind of sells them out. There's a there's a fight scene, um, and Morpheus is taken, captured. We lose a couple members because Cypher um kind of take kind of kills some of those individuals which but he, again we, we didn't go back to and just to, to close the door on him but i mean a very specific individual that we'll find in our world that's the world who, mm-hmm. the individual who understands the construct but refuses the calling and decides to go back and turn his back right. and um and there's nothing but you know consequences with that and he even says it he's like why couldn't i've just taken the blue pill right and you know and he's kind of has that allegorical story of selling your soul because remember they're they're telling him he's going to wake up as like a famous actor yep you know and so he's not even going to wake up and know what he did so it's like the washing of the hands and this aspect of selling the aspect of truth for material gains um you know where does cypher come up in our own lives what what things actually justify our spiritual decline? You know, what things do we actually physically surrender to that affects our spiritual development? You know, this is all things we kind of want to look at, even if it's just fears. You know, what what keeps us pulled to this matrix? Right. You know, and again, we're going to kind of approach this matrix. We're kind of approaching it as this like physical construct at this, this aspect. Um, but you know, when we get into Gnosticism, this matrix is going to, um, well, it's going to probably be the same kind of, you're probably going to have, um, how the Gnostics view the matrix. You're probably going to kind of have the same experience that Neo feels when, um, Morpheus is first teaching him about how he's a battery and he actually throws up. You know, Cypher's like, he's going to pop, and he actually does. He actually kind of throws up and passes out. Um, and that's that's what kind of comes with some of this this information. And so, you know, we, we to kind of talk about that moment, because again, we're, we're, just, we're just chatting about this movie, and things are coming up, and I know we're kind of not staying linear, but time isn't linear, so look at us. Um, but we, if we do kind of go back a little bit, when he does get explained, he does have that like throwing up moment when he's mm-hmm. like overwhelmed by information. This is probably something you almost want to happen in your life at least once a solar year. Like you need to, our belief systems always need to be challenged. You know, like we can believe in truth and love and universal life. But other than that, these all belief systems need to be looked at. All, all of these aspects need to. And we need to be able to have sobering moments like that right. where, you know, everything kind of gets shattered and built anew. Um, and so not saying your whole worldview has to change, but we want to go through those breakthroughs. We want to go through those moments of almost being overwhelmed by new information, even if it's scary at first, because there's always all information can be used for the betterment of humanity if it's used and transmuted in the right way. You know, even the worst of the junk that you might find and hear about what might be happening 
behind closed doors some places, even as scary as it is, that energy in some way, in some root at the seed of it can be transmuted, transmuted for the expansion of consciousness. Correct. Right. Yeah. We always talked about going up that next octave and the only way to do right. that is to just have another, you know, unfortunately, but very fortunately, you know, um, you know, spin around the, uh, spin around the, the, the path of the alchemist, mm-hmm. you know, once again, you know, just because you figured it out doesn't mean there's not another level to rise above to. And, uh, and to figure that out, you need, you need some harsh, um, <laughs> unfortunately, some harsh uh, experiences. So, so yeah, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. And so, and again, we'll fast forward back to where we were, which was like Cypher kind of selling out and just that, right. that aspect. I love how you brought that up of, but he gave the, go ahead. Go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was saying, well, he gave up the mind to the agents so now the agents have the mind which is morpheus Mm -hmm. and now once again we find the only two who who seem them seem to be you know in conjunction you have trinity the heart the soul or the love working in conjunction with the will Mm -hmm. to go get the mind back Mm -hmm. as it's been taken by the agents and and it's what what the agents want too right they want to get up and close to right to, to neo um and Neo decides, okay, you know, we're going in, right? We're, we're retrieving back, you know, we're, we're retrieving the thought, we're retrieving the mind, we're freeing the mind, right? We're cutting the strings, Geppetto, yeah, we're, we're cutting that aspect, and we're going to free the the our father. This is the the same idea of free. When Pinocchio has to free his father from the well, the whale of the belly. That's exactly what we're going into in this situation. Um, and yeah, we're going to free the mind. That's what this journey is. What is the matrix? The matrix is control. And it's mostly right. mind control because it's it's hard to physically control people. They learn that um, really in the in the kind of the, you know, this communist regimes in the 20th and the fascist regimes in the 20th century. It's very hard to physically control people. Now, when you can control the mind, then they start putting actions into place, controlling themselves. And that's kind of what this this kind of this system is kind of built off of. And so this is definitely the freeing of the mind from the constricting systems of synthetic hierarchy that's created in this, and this, 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 what we're talking about with this story. Um, But yeah, the freeing, the freeing of the mind. um, And we have this, um, and we, we have the divine will starting to also believe as slowly in the creation of courage you know, the creation of sacrifice at this point, because they're going to put themselves in really a, a suicide mission to go retrieve him. Um, and then we have those, those kind of those, these famous scenes that kind of lead up to this. Um, well, something that you said that kind of goes right with it. You were just talking about the, the one he throws up that from that scene, if you move forward to after he retrieves, you know, the mind, he is shot in the heart. And that's when he dies. He physically dies, and he is brought back by Trinity. Right, right. And so we have this whole, um, you know, because we have this this whole scene of him get actually like right saving Morpheus, right? And we actually have 
they actually take a helicopter up to get Morpheus, right? After they have this huge fight scene. And so they have this whole this whole fight scene, which again, Trinity is the most poised and in control it. And that's something we wanted to kind of highlight about that sacred feminine energy. And so we do, we have this movement up the building and the, the mind is stored in the highest aspect, mm-hmm. which is Morpheus. And we see that they actually ride the elevator up um, and then they're actually going to take a helicopter to get Morpheus. And we, we do, we have this, again, this leap of faith and we have this leap of faith that's going to happen because Morpheus is all kind of drugged up and stuck to machines. Um, they kind of break through the window and Morpheus is running. Neo realizes that he's not going to be make it. So they jump. Um, Neo's kind of tied to the helicopter and they have this leap of faith meeting in the air. And that's that divine, you know, that divine leap of faith between the law, which is thought coming together with the will, right? And we have this this really, really powerful connection. Um, and then what we're going to do is, um, and then what we're going to do is kind of have this this final scene where they they get the mind, they get Trinity back, and Neil, the will, is the last one to come. And then you're right. We kind of have this this gunshot well, scene left happen. behind where he needs to, and the reason I brought that up is you're talking about the sacrifice that he has to make. Yeah. So he, ha- he knows that for the, for the importance of the mission, you know, the, 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 the heart and the mind must be protected. So they leave first and he has to finish, you know, what he started on his own with no help at all. And that's how he has to sort of conquer and divide himself is to sort of finish that, that end piece of the, the hero's journey in this case, which is like, you know, this path that you walk, you do walk alone when you need to, you know, really realize the importance of, of why you're here. And that's the moment he has a breakthrough, but before he has a breakthrough, he must die. Right. And that's how he dies. And then you're, you perfectly nailed it. How does he get revitalized? It's, it's the kiss of Trinity. It's the touching of the heart and it's that revitalization of that heart. And um, you're right. We have this, this death and this rebirth and now he's rebirth. And now he, now he knows through that rebirth. Um, And he says those really powerful words. Um, He says, no, Mm no, Right, and the agents look at him, and now he's actually able to see the matrix for what it is with that rebirth. So he's been reborn with new eyes, right? And he can actually see the landscape for what it is, which is the whole process that this movie's kind of been calling to the intention is to actually see the landscape for what it is. Um, and he, you're right; he's able to actually, you know, he's able to actually drop and stop the bullets, right? Um, which is so interesting because. You know, he asked Morpheus at one point, he's like, does that mean I can dodge bullets? He's like, at one, when you get to the point you need to, you won't have to. And that's exactly what we see, right? We see he actually stops them. They all drop to the ground. Um, and then he actually goes and runs and jumps into the heart of right. Agent Smith and actually explodes him from the inside. And this is, um, you know, two big things that happen in that last scene. One, the aspect of no, you know, that power that Neo says with no again, a very powerful, powerful word. That's something that Passio and his explanation really went into a lot of detail. Right. And, you know, no is such a powerful word because we always talk about it in spirituality. Spirituality isn't just about creating new patterns. It's about destroying old ones. And that comes with no. And this story has it kind of saying no to control and actually the aspect of how do we actually stand up to it without having to recall to bullets kind of thing. It's just aspect of just pulling yourself out of the system, pulling yourself out of the system and then actually trying to change the system from the heart center. 
which Mexican is the greatest Asian fear care. of the of the agents within the the matrix right you figuring that out right which is like you know you go in you go within and it's all about that that within aspect um you know and that's exactly it because at the end of the movie we kind of have this this whole little dialogue and he talks about it like i'm here to end your control you know your mind control like it's this isn't going to happen anymore and so fascinating too because um you know even how the screen comes up the last letters we see is m and f for maybe that masculine feminine energy um but again a, a really unique telling of a story and really it almost could have ended right there you know like we didn't really know that they, i think they announced there was going to be a sequel but you're really it's kind of a completion right there where they could have ended the story right there. Right. Um, I mean, we're thankful if they didn't because there was kind of more components that came afterwards. But that aspect and that kind of that completion of what is the matrix? Well, the matrix is control. Right. You know, and it's mostly mind control. And how does that kind of operate within us? And again, looking at how the matrix has you, not in any ways that you might even think, and we could be very independent people, but always checking those strings, you know, checking those strings and cutting those strings from Trepetto and making sure we don't, aren't getting our energy taken. Where is, where do we surrender that energy to? You know, we surrender that energy and we, the only thing we surrender to is natural law, the sacred feminine and natural law. And we surrender that energy by learning her laws, i.e. creation right. and abiding by them. We know we cannot not surrender to natural law. There's no going against natural law. Right. And so we take our our will to align ourselves to that, and that's kind of what this this kind of surrendering does, and that's really what this is showing us to to break out of this mind control is going to be the balancing of those two hemispheres of the brain, which is the masculine and the feminine, um, and that's really going to be kind of represented by our two characters of Neo and Trinity, correct? Right, um, and just that that beauty of of the will. So yeah, man. So I think uh, you know that's a. I think we've done a really um, interesting job at sort of expressing not just the first of the movie, but the why of the first chapter of this of this you know trilogy, and now moving into into the second, you know, which we already talked about would be the how, you know, how we got to the matrix, and and uh, you know we we figured out why we are here, or why the matrix exists. Now we're going to ex- express why we are here and how we got here. And so, and so, yeah, the, the second movie, you know, immediately you, you find out that outside of the Matrix is a whole civilization of people that Morpheus had kind of talked about in the first um, chapter, and that is Zion. Mm-hmm. And there's no, no coincidence on why it's called that, but we can kind of start there and then move on to, you know, what's going on within this, this group of, of the last group of humanity that remains, uh, that hasn't been um, taken over or... Uh, eradicated by the machines yeah no awesome man i think that's a great intro and you know even i love this talk about what zion represents and again right when we say that name i'm sure everybody kind of has their own reference of probably what that's going to signify um you know and also just to allude to that point this movie starts with the same aspect of the sacred feminine in distress Neo sleeping. Neo sleeping. You know, and so again, this is going to be in all three films. I'd be interested to see if this is a component that's in the fourth one or if they right. flip it. Um, but again, we'll we'll kind of see on that. And so um, 
But yeah, we look at this idea of Zion and this what Zionism is going to kind of Zion kind of is going to kind of represent in this story, um, and even just the aspect of what Zion represents. It's it's the spiritual center within the individual, um, and so we all have a spiritual center even within ourselves that, mm-hmm. in termed in kind of mystical Hebrewism, is is kind of coming to term Zion, and so it's going to be this this spiritual significant and it's kind of this holy place and. That's exactly what this is going to represent in this story is this last, kind of the last birthing place of of humanity. And there's right. actually individuals in here who were not even born in test tube little incubators. Yeah. They were actually free world born, um, which is just kind of interesting, you know, and, and when that kind of, what that kind of means in the, in the effects of that. Um, but yeah, did you have anything you wanted to add about, um, with Zion and that aspect? No, I mean, they, they make it very, you know, evident that, you know, where Zion lies is, is the core, you know, it's where the warmth is. It's away from the cold world that is above them, uh, run by machines. And I think they, again, back to the, the thing I said earlier in, in this is that they just lay it on very thick with just a very few words and a period right after. And it's like, this is right. what it is. And then moving on. And so I think that's obviously done intentionally to sort of let you know, like where it's, what, what, what it's alluding to and, and what the importance of the overall like theme of that is, you know, versus right. kind of like, where is it geographically and how did we get here and how many years have we been living here? It just doesn't kind of really cover that. So specific, just the importance of, right. You know? Yeah. And you know, until we, we kind of get this, this enthusiasm and this excitement of this kind of this rebel underground. And right. we see that there's actually more individuals that are waking up. And so there's almost comfort for the individual that's going through this journey because there's um there's power in numbers and we're right. seeing that this isn't just an isolated thing um and there's this this kind of this whole whole experience that's kind of getting for um kind of created here but yeah in in the kabbalah the zion represents the spiritual center of an individual and the spiritual center of creation more importantly right. um and so this is where the new world is going to be created that they're looking to make um away from the machines and away from this this kind of matrix and you know and so we're, we're kind of coming to see that there's these these foundations there's actually a resistance to this which is which is always empowering and you know one of the things too when we when we kind of talk about anytime the word neo is used in this film and it's used as the savior what they're referring to there is the is the application of that universal unity consciousness. Right. So that, you know, that activation of, so when they talk about Neo being the savior and Neo being the one, they're talking about the true savior being our balanced consciousness of our own psyches. And that's actually going to be what our savior is. And that's, again, we're going to kind of see the fruit bear that through this, through the rest of this, um, this conversation. Um, but, you know, one of the things too is there's strong tenets in this, and Zion of strong human principles of even the aspect of the fear is the mind killer. Right. You know, and we have a great speech that's made by Morpheus in this aspect to really just say, you know, we are not afraid. And that's, and that's going to be a huge component in shaking off any of this, you know, any of the areas that we're, we feel like we're giving energy to that we don't want to give energy to Well, facing that, um, and being fearless is going to be the best steps to alleviate that loss of energy, you know, of that Dracula. Because remember, the vampire it pulls you in with vanity. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it pulls you in with desire, pulls you in with vanity, pulls you in with things. Um, and we don't even know that it's actually sucking our blood until it's too late kind of thing. Right. Right. And so that's exactly, exactly what we're, we're going to kind of, um, what we're going to kind of see and how, what this kind of this, this Zion kind of represents. Um, and even just how the, the characters outside of the ones that we know, like we see this evolution of humanity in Zion, but also agent Smith has new capacity and capabilities in this film. Is that correct? Yeah. He tries to, well, he learns that he needs to go for the heart. He knows that he needs to understand how to, you know, take over and, and, and really just, um, you know, hit it where, where it really hurts and hit the heart hard and, and, you know, poison, poison the heart really, um, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it's, it's an interesting, you have another character that they bring up into the movie as well, you know, and that's Bane or Bane. And then, you know, um, we'll kind of unfold what, what he does, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he's kind of after, after something more intentional now, now that he understands that more individuals are, are waking up and by waking up, they need to, you know, reach into the heart. So it's right. like, okay, I need to go and poison where, where this generative generative force comes from mm-hmm. before it becomes something that actually moves and and pushes through. Right, and this is again why we now get more significance. Why Trinity is always under attack in all the first three movies, you know, because that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to poison this generative aspect of the heart. Um, and it's and its ability and yeah. So now what we're actually seeing is that Agent Smith. It's not so much he can take the form of other people, but now he can actually duplicate himself. And it, you're right. He, it goes by putting his heart in there. And this kind of really represents what they were talking to in that in that presentation about the expanding of this this toxic worldview and this cremation of care happening on a um, kind of a global level. Okay, and so we're going to kind of see again this breakdown, and again, this is really going to be the ultimate, ultimate villain throughout this story. It's not going to be the architect. It's not going to even be you know the other agents. It's going to actually be this, this computer virus that is, um, that is Agent Smith. And so, you know, again, this the second film really was concentrating on the why are we in the matrix? And it's really looking at those causal factors, you know, and those causal factors that make us do what we do as an individual, as a community, as a collective. Um, You know, we have to understand, and even through the spiritual process, you have this awakening and then you have this whole experience and this whole phase where you really have to dig down and really understand the base drives and desires of our behavior. And that's what we're looking at here. You know, again, we can look at this as a, you know, a dystopian future novel. We can t- look at this as a science fiction, or you could just look at it as our own spiritual progress. But you have to understand what drives our behavior. Causal factor of what drives our behavior is going to give us an understanding of how we got into this situation. Right. You know, it's, it's all going to go back to what the Oracle said. It all comes back to know thyself. You know, if you understand what drives your behavior, you're going to get a better understanding of what drives your neighbor's behavior. Okay. Or you're going to have a better, you're going to be more accepting maybe of what drives their behavior. You're going to be less challenging to it and more supportive. Um, but this is, this is this aspect. It's, it's this really inward journey. You know, no, um, we're going to meet some interesting characters, but this, this, this segment, this, this part of the story was really looking kind of uncovering those, 
those locked doors of our mind. Right. Right. If this was anything, I think this would be almost like the shadow work of this component, right? Because the first one is really the accumulation of the will, um, the awakening of the will, you know, the connection of the three aspects working together. And now we're utilizing the thought, the emotion, the um, action to kind of uncover what are, you know, why are we in this situation that we're in? Um, and we really need to all ask our own personal, honestly, personally ask ourselves, you know, why is society in this position it's in? And why did we, we you know, how did maybe we help that? get into this position and we you know how can we kind of help not get into this position in the yeah, future we've been, we've been given um these false choices that i like that passio talks about but something that we've talked about multiple times on on the on the um, series here on the the first and second season is if you understand what drives the individual and you lack the purpose then the sort of buffet of choices is there for you to put in your will into something that is completely irrelevant to the betterment of humankind. And so what I mean to be more specific and not so vague is, you know, you put your faith and your energy into this color or that color or this camp or that camp in order to fill this, this fulfillment that we all have that we're born with, which is the purpose to generate love and truth but you now have it placed into something that is made of plastic. And so, you know, the false choices that, that we're given um, are controlled by the same, by the same two hands. You know what I mean? One mm -hmm. is just on the right and one is on the left, but they're both driven by the puppeteer, you know, and, and understanding who that puppeteer is, is imperative for, for this journey that, you know, Neo finds himself in, even though he's already understood, you know, what the matrix is, and, and, and the why of it, but now really taking, taking the next step into, you know, what makes, I think the next character that they talk about, which is the key maker, you know? Right. Absolutely. And I think that kind of goes with, um, so much of what we're kind of looking at because we're unlocking aspects of our consciousness right now. And so we, we kind of need to find our own key maker right. to kind of get to some of those, those back, back doors in our, in our subconscious, um, and so, yeah, we, we kind of have this, this meeting with this key maker, um, but we have a interesting connection first because the key maker is currently in the custody of an individual that they called the Merovingian. Right. Um, and so the Merovingian is a very interesting name because this is a very old occult family's name in... Um, yeah, it existed. It, 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 still exists. it still exists. Yeah, it still very much exists. And yeah. so, you know, very interested that they actually chose uh, one of those one of those the kind of 13 name. bloodlines to, yeah. um, to look into. But we really do have this kind of explanation here of, you know a different kind of agent of the system. Right. You know, this is more of your, what you would call that dark Luciferian kind of the yeah. controller of the other agents. Right. It's not, you know, they, I know he kind of has a lot of this kind of Satanist Hades kind of approach to him. Um, but a lot of it has to do with this aspect of um, kind of a dark Luciferian feel. Well, you uh, were talking about how the dark Luciferians, we were talking about how Luciferians won't even do the bidding. They'll let, the Satanists do the business. right, and that's so exactly what they're doing, yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Um, now he's, um, definitely, um, and you know, even how the Merovingian, you know, he pushes the story along, and a lot of the times through these films, 
you have to look at what the villain says as well because they're giving some really good insight, mm -hmm. you know? And that's exactly when we talk about this movie being the why, you know, why are we in the Matrix? That's all you hear throughout this film is, but why, you know? Right. So, he, you know, they, they approach him and he's just like, and they're like, we came here to get the key maker. And he's like, yeah, but the key maker is an ends. Like, you, you have to tell me why you need the key maker. You know, if you don't have why, you have no power. Right. And so what he's kind of addressing there is causality right. and the aspect of cause and effect. Exactly. Um, and the power that kind of comes with that. Um, and how the why is actually the most powerful thing we can do. Because if you don't understand the cause of something... There's no, there's no, no amount of medicine's going to fix the problem. No, they tell him choice is the illusion. So, and that's exactly it. And, you know, he, and that's going to be something that what we're going to see is kind of the dark Luciferian kind of murking up the water there because Morpheus is correct. Morpheus is like, no, there's, there's choice, there's free will. And he says, no, but your choices are, are limited by me. Um, and so when you have choice within the matrix, no, you really don't. You're kind of picking between, you know, it's kind of like when, you know, it's it's between between red and blue. That's what I was saying. You know, earlier. yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 this illusion kind of a because right. like, you know, if you really start thinking about it, the 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 left ring and the right ring, it's the same it's the bird. Same. You know, it's it's the controlling financing industry behind it. It's kind of this what they would call in this movie kind of the matrix, but he, he's really just saying, you know, if you don't have the why you have no power. And so this is, this is a deep esoteric understanding. Like if you guys don't watch any of them, I would go back and watch this scene because that's exactly what he's entailing. He's saying, you know, until you have the why don't come to me right. because you, that's what you, you, you dead is what they would call it. You, this is why you un, unsophisticated, are not on our level. You don't understand cause and effect. You you guys just live the same pattern. You don't even know that the things you think are the things we tell you. Right. You know, the things we tell you to eat, that's what you eat. You know, it's this it's this aspect of you don't you don't have any control actually. Like we've given you the illusion of free choice, but we've got so much we've got so much control here and because we have so much control, we have so much power that now you're just going through the the process of free exactly. choice but it's it's not truly there um and again that's the only the big choice that we're going to see in the end is it's the the free will that they can't control is the choice between love and fear and that's what we're going to kind of see these characters um kind of accomplish and so Again, who actually kind of um, saves that day there is because the key maker, the Merovingian's not really given ground, but Persona, um, what's that? Persephone? Persephone, that's it. Thank you so much. Persephone, of course. The 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 individ the female that gets kidnapped down to um, the be Hades, the wife of Hades. Um, and so we... Um, we kind of have this aspect with the key maker having to have a unique key for a door, which is really talking again about the subconscious aspect. And then within this, we're going to have this fight scene. The key maker is going to be sacrificed and we're going to have this aspect of where Neo is actually going to meet the architect for the first time. Right. Um, and we kind of have this, uh, this whole aspect of Neo um, kind of learning that he's actually just a program. Right. 
Right. And so there's some really deep information. And, you know, it's kind of, um, it kind of takes the, the enthusiasm out of the room because now we kind of feel like we've all been lied to throughout these first two films. Like, you know, this, here's the architect telling us that, you know, Neo is not the one. Um, and this is actually um, where choice comes back up again. Because he's talking to the architect, and this is when the architect informs him that this isn't even the first Matrix. This right. is like the sixth creation, right? Um, and he was talking about at first how it was perfect, you know, and they've had to recreate it because there's always this program. And he's like, and the problem is, and Neo knows it, and he says, it's choice. It's the choices within the system that that cause it to, to fail. Um, and so... It's so interesting because he kind of gives him the breakdown that says, no, the, the one is just to, to return back to the source to repopulate the matrix, to take 23 people, which is, again, a very esoteric and occult number, right. you know, the number of escape, mm-hmm. and you're going to escape this and you're just going to restart the program. Um, but the problem is, is Trinity, through this whole experience, seeing that there was trouble has actually gone back into the matrix and now she's in distress. And we have this aspect of Neo having to make a choice. Right. He can either go one way and restart the matrix and repopulate it with 23 people, or he can go the other way, which is ensured the death of all of humanity and try to save Trinity. Um, and he doesn't even think about it. He just kind of completely starts walking to Trinity. And the architect is like offended by this. And he's just like, you know, that's that's your guy's biggest power and it's your biggest demise is like love, the program of love. And that's exactly it. We're going to have Neo's going to go, he's going to go and try to save Trinity. Trinity is shot through the heart. And so now we have this aspect of Neo sticking his hand in there and actually restarting that heart. Right, and so, pumping the heart back for her. you know, it's just so interesting now how these components of the, the feminine saving the masculine and now the masculine is saving the feminine, but it's all through that connection of the heart. It's all through this generative aspect of care. And create um, balance. And they create that balance, right? You know, and so we have this, this rebirth again. And so now Trinity has been reborn. And so again, now we're now we're really starting to see that this is kind of again, this is about one person's psyche, but we have two kind of heroes' journeys kind of formulating right side by side, and they're going to be kind of partnered throughout the experience. But this is probably the one of the most important aspects of the story is Morpheus now has to be informed that his whole prophecy, everything, his belief system that he's built up, um, might not be as genuine as he thought it was. Right. You know, and, and kind of the breakdown, and this is so interesting because we're going to kind of lose that father-son connection between Neo and Morpheus. We're not going to so much see it in the third movie. Yeah. You know, they're they're on each other's side and they, he sees that there's power, but all of a sudden there's um, kind of some enthusiasm is going to be lost. And, and it's actually going to be so interesting. It's not going to be Morpheus's belief in the prophecy that's going to power Neo through. It's going to be that evolution of morpheus believing in the prophecy to evolving that to just believing in neo you know away from the prophecy just believing in this one individual who is trying to um change the world right well said and so you know kind of just an interesting thing and again you know i know we Kind of shot through the second movie there. Uh, but again, a lot of this aspects of this this why component, why are we in the matrix? Well, it's the why is because 
we don't have an understanding of causality. Right. You know, we lack the understanding of causal factors and how to work from that realm of causality rather than reaction. Right. But in the society that we live, we we live and feed on a reaction and we don't even realize how we're in that in that flow state so much, you know, um and how um you know, when we even think about causality and reaction, cause and effect, you know, even how we our relationship with dopamine right now in the matrix. Dopamine is really is supposed to be released when you complete a cause of of worth exactly you know um so dopamine is the problem though is you can get the you get a dopamine response by say building yourself shelter well you don't get the same dopamine response but you still get a little hit of that by watching a video of somebody else building shelter does this make sense mm-hmm. you know and so even our you know this aspect of causality and reaction, you know, even how we are almost addicted to the reactionary dopamine kind of sensitivities at this point of like how we get stuck in YouTube, you know, tunnels and you're just watching videos or like in TikTok, how you're watching the young kids just kind of swipe up and down. We're awarding ourselves with dopamine without any causal factor for that dopamine to be expressed. Yeah, there's no process. The, the process that it's meant to take you through is completely um, butchered, circumvented, just botched, and then and then. But it's still given to you as a trickery of thinking. Well, it's been completed, and mm-hmm. it's not been completed. I really liked your analogy to the the completion of a structure within the the you know uh like say the youtube verse of of another individual it's like you know i remember meeting people uh for the first time who have children i don't have any children of my own yet and they were telling me how how their children are obsessed with children opening presents and they said i never thought i'd look at this phenomenon where i brought my kids presents and they literally could care less that they have a present they'd rather see others react to the presents that they are getting it's like, you're never going to meet that person, but you like the reaction, the completion of, of the story. But it's condensed in such a, such a quick fashion now that we have the ability to fast forward as well. Because if you watch any video that has a completion from beginning to end, you know, you're always wanting to, to get to the end to get that, that response. And so that's kind of what the trade-off we're living in right now. And by that, we neglect the process of, of our own growth. And I don't think you're going to grow by opening your own present. That's not a great example, but I'm just saying just shows that the availability of these dopamine reactions are more and more um, dominant in, in our society to where we're neglecting our own um, process of, of, of learning how to, to evolve. Yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, it's one of those things that this if we don't evolve our energy, where's our energy going, you know? And so keeping us in kind of this dumbed down reactionary state is just a great way for those, for those, those plugs into the battery terminals to kind of suck them dry, you know? And so that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. And so again, this, this causality, what is the causal factor of the situation I find myself in? You know, again, we could look at this emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, but getting to the actual causal factors, because without that, you're in the dark and you're not really searching for anything. And so 
it's a conversation we we have many times on this, but this was really strengthened by this movie and understood just how just how important this played in the eventual um, completion of this trilogy. Yeah, I mean, right? you know, what what leads towards the end of of the trilogy is simply Neo having an understanding that just because of the news he's been given to where he has made a choice now to understand what is the matrix and how the matrix works and how he has dominated um, the world of the matrix. He now brings back that information to the five, you know, five sense construct that he lives in, which he actually executes true power for the first time without being in the matrix by stopping the machines that are sent to kill That's all right. of them. But it's such such higher power to the level that I don't think he even understands it puts him into a coma. And that's how the second movie ends. ends, is him being in a coma because he actually learns how to use that for himself. But he's so unfamiliar with that power in the real world that mm-hmm. it takes a toll on him. Mm-hmm. Which still goes back to what you're saying about this example of, of the dopamine effect. It's like mm-hmm. if you don't know how to generate kindness and care and all you do is watch videos of people doing that in other places of the world it might give you the satisfaction that you've done something for the greater good of humanity but you actually have not right and until you know how to do that for yourself then you'll feel the actual ramifications or the actual power exchange between you giving something of yourself to another individual who may need your help in the real world versus watching it on youtube and you know and that might be great too for inspiration you know it's good to watch that maybe Mm -hmm. once in a while and say oh look this is what an act of kindness looks like but until you actually do it for yourself will you know what that really feels like and when you actually have that happen to you will you be able to sustain that feeling long enough to know how to harness it and continue using it you know what i'm saying and that's kind of a weird example to you know make a parallel with him going into a coma what he does is completely different than just an act of kindness but you know what i'm saying it's just like right. if we lose that ability we won't know even know how to um really go about it mm-hmm. um, when it, it's it's face to face with us you know we might just freeze up but in this case he he does that he goes into a coma and that's what leads us into the third and that's him coming um you know, now he need, he needs, you know, Trinity to come to his aid. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, we're in this. Um, so we transitioned from that second movie to the third movie. And it's exactly the same situation. We have the female in distress um, and we have Neo asleep. And, right. and but you're exactly right. This this transformation in this savior is it's actually going to be Trinity. That's going to kind of wake him up from. The unique program because he's like stuck in a train station. It's it's yeah. really interesting, um, and we kind of see this this he's whole in aspect. Worlds, right? He's in between worlds, yeah, and so he's in between worlds, and we're kind of stuck there. And it is it's Trinity who's going to um, kind of pull him out, and that's actually another scene we go with the Merovingians, yeah. and we go face to face with the Merovingians um, to kind of meet them again, and they're face to face with him, and he says. Oh, I want the eyes of the oracle. If you want Neo, I want the eyes of the oracle. Oracle, and Trinity just pulls out her gun and puts it through his head, which like makes this amazing scene because everybody pulls out their guns and everybody has guns to each other's head, and she's just like, "I'm ready to die right here, and I don't care if everybody else dies, but I know you're gonna die." And this snaps into the Merovingian's head of like, "Okay, like I get what they enter. I get what you're putting down right now. Like that's." That's love. You're working on a different kind of energy. And it's funny that the the computer programs recognize love when they see it. 
Um, and they're just like, I understand what this is. This is a powerful force. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like in the princess bride when they're like, you know, it's true love. Yeah. It can't get in the way. And that's exactly what we're kind of seeing. Um, and so she gets the, she gets this aspect of, of free and Neo. And then this one is, you know, this is a little bit more of a technical one. It's um, because it's kind of the war in Zion. So it's much more focused on Zion. So we have a lot of new introductions of characters, new kind of different plot lines just to kind of pull the whole story together. Um, but it's, again, it's the story, even though we have all these new great characters kind of introduced, it's very much still just Neo and Trinity is kind of the, the yeah. main aspects. Of yeah, and I think that's why people, you know, what's interesting is that you can go see the the last two movies before we see the, the resurrection, the fourth. But I think overall, we've covered the same pattern over and over and over again. And I think right. that's interesting because it, it never felt like the blockbuster, uh, you know, industry, if you will, pushed on those sec those the second and the third onto people where it's like, oh, you better, you know, not like it is right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which should tell you something. If if this fourth has, you know, anything, it has probably um it's probably been waiting to be released because of where we might find ourselves in um right now as we speak in society and this world. And I think it's it will have an impact on us, uh, unlike the the second and third this will have an impact on us like the first might have. So um, again, I think I'm not saying don't go see the second and the third before you see the fourth. I'm simply saying um, the understanding that Daniel and I are having right now in this conversation has been, you know, kind of explained over and over as, as the importance of this balance, you know, between, you know, Neo and, and Trinity and the same patterns that they face in order to keep evolving through the three questions that make this this series. The three, which are? Yeah, and so it's like, you know, what is the matrix? How did we get into the matrix, which is the second? And then the third is, how do we get out of the matrix? Yeah. Right? You know, and so, and that's kind of what we're seeing here. And this is ex- exactly what what is going to be, um, like what Neo and Trinity are going to kind of take us on this journey. Because they are going to kind of branch off. They're they're going to kind of go on a sacrificial, almost suicidal mission to actually go to the heart of the machines, the heart of their city. Zion is the heart of humanity that's left. And they're actually going to go to the heart of the machine city, which nobody thinks that they're even going to get remotely close to. And so it's kind of a miracle that they do. Um, And even, you know, because, you know, and a lot of people aren't even that excited about neo anymore either you know like he asked for a ship and nobody even offers a ship and then one female does and she's like you can take my ship which i believe is called the logos um and um and so just this this interesting interesting aspect um we have that whole situation with bane um who is the representation of agent smith in the real world Right, so we see this virus is actually moved outside of the matrix. It's in the consciousness of the individual who who once was sort of like Neo, who understood, right? You know the parameters that were set up, but now is taken over by this darkness that right. has his heart in the real world now. Right, um, right. Know. You know, and so, and then again, we get this another, we get another rebirth with Neo with the eyes, and Neo gets his eyes burnt out in the final battle with Bane. 
Um, and he's actually, um, he's blinded by this. Um, and it shows really the creation of spiritual sight because now he's just starting to see energy even in the real world. And it's actually how he defeats Bane because he actually sees this kind of like demon kind of fireball that, um, that he's able to destroy. Um, and then we, we make our way back into the approach of, of the machine consciousness, right? you know, and this is actually a really kind of a, an intense, a tense emotional period because they're traveling too, and they actually go to try to rise above the crowds. Neo says, you know, actually go, go up high, go up high, which is that higher perspective, higher altitude, but they're going to end up kind of actually crashing down. And this is actually where we're going to lose the scene of Trinity. And Trinity is sacrificed in this moment. And we'll, we'll kind of come back together of how everything kind of gets pulled back. Um, and we, um, and this is where Neo comes face to face with the machines. Um, and we kind of have a discussion and it's just so interesting because there's actually going to be this peace treaty made because of the disease that the machines got started, which was agent Smith that got out of control. And so now these two warring camps are actually having to come together to re-instill care. Right. Right. We need to take away this disease of the lack of care. That We need to take away the disease of the skull and bones, the thought and the action. We need to make sure that we add that mother emotional aspect there. You know, because again, the the world has gotten so hard, it's it's no longer recognizes its mother, which is creation, right. you know? And we've gotten so hard and isolated and pulled away from that, we we forget the, the hands that actually hold us. And so that's kind of this, that's where we kind of see this in this, this peace tale that's brokered um, in this kind of this resetting of the matrix um, and kind of this resetting of some of these programs um, is going to be how this, this kind of system falls out. But... You know, the most, the fascinating thing is about this, and we obviously learn that Neo and Trinity, they actually like get their bodies back and we kind of have this, this reset. But the, the most interesting part I would say about that trilogy is probably that the last scene, right? Of the whole film. So we have this peace in Zion. We have peace between the machines. Um, but I think one of the most interesting aspects is the last scene between the architect and the oracle, mm-hmm. you know, in that conversation. And the oracle brings up the aspect of like, so we have peace now, right? There's there's peace between the machines and, and the humans. And the architect who, again, is that left side dominant, you know, it's the ego, right? It's like kind of that ego, um, almost that demimerge, which we'll talk about with Gnosticism, like almost like that fake God's confidence, um, she asks him, what happens to others that want to get out? And the architect, who's been very cold this whole time, has let to know the distrust and the dislike he has for the human race as a species, says if they want to get out, they can get out. And I think that's the the biggest message. Um, you know, as, as complicated, as heavy, and as, you know, big that this matrix has gotten, you know, um, there's still this opportunity for self-reliance, self-individuality, breaking away from those kind of systems, you know, in any which way possible. Um, but really just, again, kind of gaining own of our own energy and aligning those aspects of the thought, the emotion, and the action. So it's no different than any of the other stories that we broke down. Um, this one was just in a little bit more parts. And 
kind of was presented in a little bit different of an environment and a setting, but still it's the completion of the consciousness. It's the coming home of the the thoughts and the emotions and the action. And really the prophet is this unity consciousness. The prophet of this era, the prophet of this age is the coming together of that left and that right hemisphere. Um, and that's our only savior. It's not going to be an right. external savior. You know, we learned that with Murphyus. You can't put... You can't put your eggs in that basket. The you are the savior. You know, it's your you coming together and actually going through this 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 alchemical process and really, you know, pushing energy behind the the left and the right side of the brain and making them come together. Um, that's the that's the key way to the next, and that's the gateway to the above, and um, it's the only way out of the matrix. It's the only way out. Well said, ma'am. This was great. This was a, a marathon, my guy. This was our longest episode, right? You know what I like about this this long episode is it doesn't feel long to me just because, again, you know, it's it's all put to, together in a trilogy and three is a very important number as well. But um, as you go and back and watch these movies, uh, if you do, um, you know, try to see all the, the correlations that we've talked about even before, uh, doing this episode, you know, right. a lot of it's all there with the laws that we've talked about from the, from, from hermetic laws to, or, uh, philosophies and understandings to the, the, the principles that we've brought up from, you know, just, uh, uh, the readings that we, we talk about, uh, within those principles, um, you know, they can be found everywhere. And then this movie, it's just laid on pretty thick. Uh, but also with, uh, you know, a coding of that science fictional, you know, mm -hmm. uh, approach, much like Dune, much like Star Wars, much like many of the movies that, you know, present these allegories. So anything else you want to add into there? No, I love it, man. I love it. Cool, man. Well, um, until next time then. Until next time. All right.